Welcome to the Moving Beyond Your Tribe, where we dig deep on how to stand out from the crowd by building bridges and breaking free from the comfort zone of colloquialism, industrial language, and jargon to find new words, new thinking, and new approaches to ignite action, mobilize a wider network of ambassadors, create customer loyalty, even in a downturn, and build better internal culture. Hi, I'm your host, Torin. I'm bilingual and throughout my life have straddled two cultures, Norwegian and American. I've worked in 10 different industries spanning 25 countries. I have seen firsthand the power of diverse collaboration to create impact across cultures, countries, and the political divide. On this podcast, we will bring on notable leaders from all walks of life to teach us and provide us tools on how they have moved beyond their comfort zone and create amazing breakthroughs of profit, opportunities, and impact. Now let's get started. Welcome to Moving Beyond Your Tribe. I'm really excited. I'm back in Kinab and bringing back stories from Kinab. And who do I have here today is Brent Chamberlain, who's a commissioner of Kane County and kind of looks out for Kinab and makes sure that we're on the right track and creating wonderful opportunities for tourism and other things. So I would say welcome, Brent. How are you? Well, great. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I got to tell you, this is my first podcast. So. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> that's great. I'm glad it's your first podcast. So we've been talking a little bit and I'm really excited. And I think the first thing I want to ask you, which I thought was such a wonderful story, is why did you come to Kinab? You know what's interesting? I grew up as a kid near here, and then we moved away uh, to other southern Utah towns uh, to, for my mother to go to school, you know, college and and stuff. Got into mining as a, a fairly young man. As, uh, I was married, had a couple of kids, and got into the mining industry and moved all over western U.S., Colorado, two different places in Colorado, California, um. but mostly in Nevada, which is, uh, you know, there's a lot of mining going on there, mostly gold mining, and so I've toured mines in, in South Africa and, and Canada. South Africa? Yeah, wow. Exciting. I've been in the deepest mine in the world. Really? Which one? Is, where's Scary. that? Uh, in South Africa, the wow. sister company of, of the one I was with had some had some deep mines. They were all deep, but this one was down almost fifteen thousand feet. So, oh my gosh, it was hot. Wow, I can imagine. <laughs> but we were uh, in two thousand and seven. We started. My wife and I started thinking about you know we'd retire someday, and the housing market was down, and and so we uh, uh, this is a good time to go buy a house where we want to retire. So then the next question is is where do we want to retire? <laughs> and and. There were really two things there. One, one of them was, is where would the kids and grandkids want to come, come and visit you? Where, where would they come and visit? <laughs> How can you, you tempt know? them? <laughs> How, yeah, exactly. How can I tempt them? So we spent a couple of years looking all over the Southwest, kind of, uh, you know, it's this is kind of our home and we weren't interested in going east of Colorado probably, but that Colorado was considered and Nevada and Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, you know, that kind of thing. We looked all over. We ended up kind of settling on, uh, we, we came and looked at some houses in Canaan. We had mm-hmm. some, uh, my wife's brother kind of incentivized us to come and take a look at this. And we did. We had one of our kids uh, who had a grandchild at the time and with us and we, we we looked at houses. We found a house that we liked, and and this uh, you know our, our our son and his wife uh, you know indicated boy they'd love to come to Kanab and visit right. And so we bought a house in two thousand and eight in Kanab. We ended up retiring in two thousand eleven. But you got to stop here because I think the story you're forgetting is your childhood. Okay. About uh, about like it's amazing you even came to Kanab because it was your rival. Tell yeah. them about that. Well, that was so fun. So there's a little town about twenty miles north of here called Orderville. And that's where I grew up as a kid till we were 12. Uh, 
my because of my health issues with my father, it was a very humble beginning. Uh, I, right. I more or less supported myself since I was eight years old. That's I mean, amazing. If I wanted if I wanted school clothes, I I bought them. And wow. I bought my first car when I was sixteen years that's old amazing. with money that I had earned, and the insurance was in my name. The car was in my name. Believe me, that's a, that's expensive insurance when you're sixteen. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can imagine. But. Canab was a, a rival, you know, in, in school. They were rival towns, and, and, you know, that's the last place in the world I wanted to end up was in Canab. But we ended up settling on Canab as just, it's a place where our grandkids love to come. I mean, they come here for the 4th of July. They come here for the Christmas festivals. They come here for the balloons and tunes. They come here for the swimming pool and for the hikes and for the ATV rides. And, and it's just, it, this is a special place. This is an absolutely magical place. Yeah, and I really agree with that because I was in Moab and you, and you always think of Moab as the place to be uh, when you come to Salt Lake. And I was like, wow, it doesn't really compare with Kanab. Kanab has got so much more and so much variety. Yeah, well, Kanab is, is uh, you know, I won't say anything disparaging about our neighbor to the <laughs> east, but but Kanab has, I think, a culture that is, uh, it's maintained its culture very well. It's The people here are, are very friendly. Right. And even though there are a lot of people that have moved here in the last few years, you know, I asked somebody, uh, so what brought you to Kanab? You know, somebody. Yeah, exactly. You, so how long you lived in Kanab? Well, three years, one year, five years, 10 years. Right. What brought you to Kanab? It almost always is the same story. I finally figured out how to live where I vacation. And so it's, Oh, I love that. Finally. Say that one more time. I love that. Say that one more time. I like that. They, they basically, the story's always the same. They finally were able to make it work or figured out how to live in the place that they vacationed for all wow. these years. So yes. this, is, this is kind of the place you come when you reach that point where you can do it, you know, where you can choose where you live. And that's the way it was for us. We chose where we lived, where we retired. It had, uh, we could have lived anywhere. pretty much anywhere we yeah. wanted. And, and we settled on Kanab and... If you were going to describe Kanab, what would you say? What is Kanab? Like a few words. Well, I would say that within an hour to an hour and a half drive from Kanab, we have the most stunning scenery anywhere in the world, a variety of scenery. Right. Uh, and right within Kanab, there are trail systems, uh, hiking, you know, hiking trails up out of Kanab uh, in three directions. Very nice trails. I mean, these would be trails that in, in other communities would be real, you know, really, right. really the jam. Well, in our case, we have so many that it's just one of many. Which one do you want to go, you know, want to go do? So the scenery is is incredible. The other part that I think is is very important is we have a diverse cultural. We have a lot of history. There's a lot of history here, but yeah. we have a very diverse population, which gets along. Uh, which is How amazing. do you think that's possible? What do you think the culture, because that's what I was really impressed with. Like, I remember, was it in April when River, this girl that was like eight years old, was passing away from cancer and everyone knew she's dying. And the whole town came out in this beautiful train of like standing there with flags and saying goodbye, yeah. saying yeah. we love her, 50 cop cars. And then I went next, sat next to this guy and he was like, he was have just been there for a year. And he says, you know, this is why I love Kanab. And I was like, with you, what, what, how do you think you've been able to cultivate that? You know, I, I don't know that I have a really good answer. The only thing is, is, is that uh, I think that we have a better respect for each other's views and, and people, you know, each other. I, that was an amazing time. That's not the only time that something like that's happened. The one when this, this young girl, what, uh, 11 years old. She it was 11, it was not 8, okay. Yeah. yeah, well, she started at 8. Right. Uh, she had been in a hospital in Salt Lake, you know, a specialty hospital, and basically was, was coming home her last trip. Right. Yeah, you know, and everybody's sorry. <laughs> I know, I just start crying when I think about it. I was just like, it was such a beautiful moment. 
But, you know, the town does the same things for, for big events, too. If the high school, uh, you know, succeeds at something, you know, they're up north uh, competing in some kind of uh, statewide competition and, and they win some state competition, then the whole town comes out and welcomes them home at, you know, two in the morning or whatever. And so it's just, boy, I don't know how to put it in words. People, Yeah, because uh, it's like you you have this real sense of small town, yeah. but you embrace the new people that are coming in. Yeah. And I and I think that's a beautiful thing because a lot of times you go to a small town, you don't feel welcome. Yeah. And even in bigger cities, you don't feel welcome. But here, you just feel welcome. You know, and, and it's it's like that in, in cities. They don't care. Right. You know, you don't care about you or, or anything. Right. A lot of small towns, if you didn't grow up there, then you don't belong there. You don't belong, right. And and yet, Kanab, uh, it has, you know, many multi-generational people living here. Right. But then there are those people that uh, uh, come in in the last year or five years or whatever, and they're they're involved in things. I Mine's a little bit unique story mm-hmm. that way. I it, it's, I, I can't explain why I did it, but I ended up uh, applying for a vacancy on the Kanab City Council after I'd been in town about a year and a half. Now, I, I have a name that is recognized by some of the locals. You know, there's, yeah. there are some other chamberlains in the area. Might have helped a little bit, but a year and a half. I've been in Kanab a year and a half, and I was appointed over 11 other people to uh, fill a, a, a seat on the city council. Wow. And then I served, uh, you know, I served six years there, and then and then I, I felt like there was a need for me to work, to, to, to do some work on a county level. So I uh, I ran for a county commission seat and, and was successful there. Again, I'm a newcomer. I've been in Kanab now still less than 10 years. And, wow. And, uh, I don't know why, but people are far more accepting. You don't have to have been a multi-generational person to be accepted here and, and be a part of the community. So what do you do as a commissioner? What does a commissioner do? Like, well, what is your role in uh, Kane County? And you're in Kane County, but you're also, you're, your office is in Kanab. Yeah, so a commissioner's responsibility. There are three commissioners in, uh, you know, the way the state has organized uh, counties. Mm-hmm. And there's fair, several options, but uh, in, in the, the option that uh, applies to King County, we're a very small county population-wise. And so we have three commissioners. We have responsibility for anything that goes on in, outside of the uh, municipalities, basically. Okay. But we also have responsibility for some of the things that goes in on in the municipalities, too. King County owns the King County Hospital. And, and for a small town and a small county right. the size of, that it is, we have a very nice hospital. Uh, right. You know, they just uh, completed or just completing a $15 million renovation expansion project. Beautiful. You know, on, yeah, on the hospital. Uh, there's... Uh, a lot of county facilities here. One of the things, tourism is a big, big part of our economy. Right, yeah. And Kane County is responsible for the marketing and the, the tourism, uh, you know, the, right. the things as opposed to a city, but that's countywide. The county just built a, uh, in the city of Kanab, in the heart of the city of Kanab, using an old high school and then middle school or junior high school, a uh, convention center. It's called the Kanab Center, but it's I love a convention the center. center. Yeah. It's beautiful. It for is a, beautiful. For a town this size, a town of 5,000 or so, uh, we have a wonderful uh, convention center that will seat up to 700 people. And, yeah. uh, you know, can hold uh, all kinds of conventions. Of course, COVID has put a little bit of a, <laughs> a damper on that. It has. <laughs> but I think this was so interesting. But you bounce back. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, tell us about that. That's amazing. Yeah. How do, why do you think that is? You've bounced back so quickly. Yeah, there, there's a, a little bit of it I don't understand myself. I can't explain okay. why we have had such a low incidence of COVID. Uh, right. And we have had very low uh, as far as the incident rate and such is some of the lowest in the state. 
even though we have visitors from all over the world or all over the country, uh, there's not many foreign travelers this year because right. of COVID. Uh, normally, this you know half of our tourism is from outside the U.S. or, or more than half. But uh, I think why we've bounced back again, the 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 bounce back has been in, in, in tourists. You know, visitors mm. to the area. Right. This is an area you can come that one, uh, I don't know what the number is. I'm going to ask somebody to get me this number, but I think <laughs> it's something like two people per square mile wow. in Kane County. So if you're concerned about being shoulder to shoulder with other people and, and uh, you know, a lot of interaction, <laughs> those kinds of things, you can be about as remote as you want to be. And you can yeah. camp uh, on hundreds of square miles of public land, uh, you, or you can camp in campgrounds or RV parks or, or vacation rentals or there's, you know, your yeah. more traditional motels. So I think it's been a place that's offered safety. And it's a place what we found in talking with visitors that are coming, you know, from out other parts of the country is they were looking for a place to come mm-hmm. to, just to get out of, you know, get out of Dodge, basically, right. get out of the city when all this uh, COVID stuff is happening. So they did their searches and found that there's a place in southern Utah that has some incredible scenery. Uh, three national parks. Kanab is centrally located between three national parks and a national recreation area, several state parks, uh, you know, so they, they, a lot of people have said, hey, this, you know, we've never seen those or, you know, whatever, let's go check this, this area out because they have a very low incidence of COVID and, you know, all these, all these remoteness that you can get here. They've come and, and fallen in love with with the area and the things that they can see and do here. So, in, in the out the back country, uh, I, I oftentimes uh, I've gone to to the wave right. uh, as a as a volunteer regularly. There are more people accessing that parked in that trailhead have been this year than ever before. Really, even oh, yeah. with COVID. Oh yeah, with COVID. Wow, with COVID, with COVID. wow. It far exceeds the the people that are using this backcountry stuff. I'm now a very limited number of people get into the wave because right. of the permitting system, but there's other other beautiful country out there oh, that's yeah. accessible and like the teepees. I was really surprised by that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and buckskin yeah. gulch and, yes. and wire pass and all this stuff that right. you can do. And so what we're seeing is, is is much higher than the normal utilization of the backcountry. And there's lots of backcountry in King County. So I think that's probably been the you know, the primary yeah. driver. I think COVID made me realize that you want to come back to nature. Yeah. And maybe that's why they're longing for something. They, they say that <laughs> RV sales and those kinds of things have been the highest, you know, record highs. Really? RV sales? Not, record highs? You know, not in Canada because we right. don't do a lot of that. Right, you know, right. but, but, yeah, uh, certainly in the West, at least, uh, RVs wow. and all kinds of outdoor recreation utilization, you know, the sales have been at record highs. That, and it's people uh, obviously wanting to get away from the, the cities and come to a place where they can get back to nature. So... There's no better place than Kanab to do that. No, no, it isn't. So I would love to tell me a little bit about your developments because you have some exciting things going on with how to really connect Kanab more to a lot of the parks with Zion. And uh, I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah, I could. It's an interesting thing. I started uh, a couple of years ago participating in a, a visitor use management plan development by Zion National Park. Zion National Park is the fourth most visited park in the nation. And for a good reason. If you haven't been there, it's an incredible oh, yeah. place. It really is incredible. But uh, they, the, the most of nearly all of the tourists go to one, there's one main canyon and it, it can be crowded. You know, it, it gets a little bit overloved at times. And so they were trying to uh, come up with a plan or, you know, figure out how they were going to deal with this overloved condition that they have. But what our approach has been is to help them as a county and the surrounding counties we're participating in this discussion is let's find a way to disperse the utilization throughout the park because most of the park is 
underutilized. And so what that's led to is a, uh, I think one of the, you know, primary drivers here is a private developer, a private, not a developer, a landowner that owns the the frontage, uh, you know, the the road land on both sides of the highway coming out of the park on the east entrance for more than three miles. He doesn't want to see that turn into another Jackson Hole or something like that. He wants to see that maintain its its uh, beauty, its rural nature, its agricultural, its ties to agriculture. So basically, you have a private landowner that is going to donate about 18 acres of land to the county, to King County, wow. free and clear. Uh, the only stipulation is, is we'll build a visitor center there. Because oh, how beautiful. Zion National Park desperately needs a visitor center on the east side of the park. There's two entrances into the park. Right. And there's no, the only visitor center is right it's on the other side, right on yeah. the other side yeah. just barely inside the west entrance. Right. So it's miles and miles away, and most many, many people don't even see it, don't even right. know where it is. So King County is working on, on obtaining public financing to pay for, the, uh, for a visitor center. We're going to build a beautiful visitor center, really nice, first-class visitor center that also will be very agricultural and sustainable in nature. Uh, it will be sustainable. It also will tie to the, there will be farms and stuff around it, gardens, aquaponics to, to allow for year-round growth. Oh, and, and restaurants just outside of the visitor center, uh, you know, that we won't own, uh, you will be able to you'll be able to walk out in the garden and, and have them pick the tomato that you want to eat that uh, in the restaurant. Ah, oh, that's so lovely! And when you park in our parking lot during the right seasons, you can pick an apple off the apple trees that are the shade trees for the uh, you know for the parking lot. And, oh, that's uh, lovely! But that's that's one of the issues. The visitor center. Another issue is is uh, again some of these trails in Zion National Park are just a tad bit overloved. King County is is starting to work on, and we're working with the, the Bureau of Land Management and Zion National Park to develop trails and the private landowner, because right. I'll start on private land. We're going to develop initially 15 miles of trails, which matches about the number, the amount of trails that come up out of Zion National Park in that main canyon. Oh, wow. And then over time, we'll build about 42 miles of trails on the east side of the park, wow. some of those going into the national park. And then imagine that the collaboration that the, and cooperation this has taken, because these are trails that will be on in wilderness study area, crossing wilderness study areas, and actual wilderness area crossing into the national park. So everybody's having to cooperate together. Some of these trails are amazing. They will be, you know, you won't know whether you're in the park or out of the park when you're on these trails. They are, you know, park quality trails. Uh, actually, there'll be an improvement in some ways because we're going to do most of them as loops one way so you don't run into a lot of people, even though they could have high utilization. The only people you're going to see is somebody that's faster or slower than you on the trail. Oh, that's know? lovely. So, and then, but the other piece that I think is, is really critical is just the number of vehicles and, and stuff in the park. There's no parking space available in that or the town near near that Springdale so King County is leading an effort. We will we will uh, develop a shuttle system, electric shuttles running from Canab. Electric, that's electric, great. To yeah. our visitor center and then down into the park. So visitors can park their, their vehicles outside of the park in our parking lot or in Canab, stay in the motels and and get a ride into the uh, into the wow. park. Uh, on these nice electrical shuttle, electric shuttles, and these are not going to be your standard uh, public transportation. These are going to be theater-style seating with floor-to-ceiling windows, and you know, and you'll see some of the most incredible part of the park that most people never see because it's on this east side that gets rarely traveled. Uh, another thing that, that that benefits is there's a park or a tunnel in the park. 
that was built 90 years ago. Oh, wow. And it does not accommodate large vehicles. And so if you're traveling into the park and in a motorhome or something, they have to stop traffic to two-way flow every time that happens, every wow. time a vehicle shows up like that. Studies have shown that on average, an average year, that tunnel allows two-way traffic, unobstructed traffic, 16 minutes out of every hour. So what we will do is provide a shuttle so you can park your RV outside of the park and ride our shuttle in, and we'll reduce the amount of time times that the, the uh, tunnel is uh, is backed up to traffic flowing in both ways. The other thing is, this is the only place in the country where you can we can build a shuttle system. And again, this is being driven by King County, though we'll be asking the other counties to join in, and it'll become, mm-hmm. we, last Tuesday at our commission meeting, we adopted a resolution creating a regional transportation authority or agency. Mm-hmm. And so we're leading this effort. And again, we're a small county of less than 8,000 people building a, a, a large public transportation system that will ultimately provide uh, transportation to Bryce Canyon, Grant, North Rim of the Grand Canyon, and Zion National Park, and connect through uh, work with Washington County to uh, uh, Las Vegas Airport, St. George Airport. And so, you know, you'll be able what to an amazing drive. And, yeah, so it's, it's a truly a regional shuttle system that will get people to the parks and, and the, uh, the state parks uh, without and and for the most part, it'll all be alternative fuel, or at least our part of it will be alternative fuel, re- renewable, and for the most part, electric. So How did you guys do this? Well, I mean, that's like it's moving beyond time. With the whole part of the podcast is how did you reach beyond yourself and to collaborate? How did you create that collaboration? You know, I I don't know who can even take credit for it because we have oh, that's the collaboration includes. The state of Utah, Utah Office of Tourism, Utah right. Office of Economic Development. Uh, it includes Utah Clean Cities. It includes uh, King County, private landowners, uh, Zion National Park, the Bureau of Land Management, business owners in the area, and it's just kind of come together. I visited with uh, who was then the uh, uh, the uh, chief of the National Park Service back in D.C., and he said this is the model of what needs to happen with over the next hundred years. For the national parks in the in the country, this is this it's like is a model point. of cooperation. So, yeah. if you give me three steps, why, why, how do you think that happened? If what the, the first and most critical step was that you had the land available. You had a private land open owner that was willing to make the land available. Uh, the McClaws family right. was willing to make the land available for this development, and without that. You know, uh, it, it wouldn't happen. I mean, typically, you, you show me a national park, especially the fourth most visited park in the nation, that has land available just outside of the park to do anything like this. It doesn't exist. It's beautiful there's someone like that. And I think going back, because I don't think our listeners understand what we say, we don't want to be like a Jackson Hole. I don't know if you can explain what what did the uh, this landowner mean, because he really, he thought about... America before himself. Yeah. yeah. Basically, he saw a need. The need is, is that we need a visitor center outside of the park. And he has had you know numerous opportunities to sell this land, of course, to developers that want to turn it into a Jackson Hole. Yeah, and, something like and Jackson Hole really means it's, it's a town that's gotten really expensive and has a lot of has, new... A lot of new uh, development yeah. that doesn't yeah, really match. Of, a lot of commercialization. Commercialization. So what this is going to do, what his vision for this land is, is that it will be primarily agricultural centric. Wow. He has a buffalo herd of 60 buffalo there that roam well, wild. I need to interview him. And you do need to. I will, yeah. yeah. Kevin McClaws. But uh, Mr. McClaws owns, the McClaws family owns these 60 buffalo that are a bit too free roaming because they oftentimes hop, hop the fence and you might find them... Uh, 
next to your car oh, wow. on the highway, and that's not what the intent is. These are not tame. But uh, anyway, uh, so it will be agricultural. It'll have gardens and, and uh, throughout. So what he will do is he's going to develop, do a little bit of development there, but for the most part, this, again, will be agricultural, and he will basically turn it into trust lands, the stuff that is there. So it will not be developable won't be able to be commercialized in the future either. This is going to be an entrance to a major national park that's unlike any other national park, any other entrance. So it was him saying yes, but what other steps? Because if well, you think about it, when you look in government, I used to work in government. I mean, that's yeah. pretty amazing. You've got the state, the county, the municipals, you have all these various departments. How did it happen? Like, I mean, you know, I, I, I think one of the other critical steps was is that we have a superintendent in Zion National Park who wants to see this happen. You know, sees that this is a this is the way to deal with an issue that they have and to uh, you know to do it the right way. So you have government. We have a, a governor and government that in Utah that is very supportive. Of this, the uh, uh, Vicky Varela, the Utah uh, director of, of Utah Office of Tourism, made the statement that this is the most exciting uh, destination development project in the state of Utah, and wow. we need to get behind it. And they really have. Uh, there's, you know, the state will be asking the legislature, of course, for some help down the road, and the governor, you know, the the. The governor is, uh, has shown a, a great interest in it, but the governor-elect, uh, Spencer Cox, took the time in his busy schedule to come down about a month ago and spend a full day with us learning about the project, you know, so that he understands it. And, and again, this is, this is a tremendous project. So we've got Utah State on board. You have Zion National Park on board. Utah Clean Cities has been a real driver in this whole thing as Making far as electrification. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're helping Zion National Park. So they're operating shuttles uh, to shuttle people up into the main canyon, get them to the trailheads and those kinds of things that are over 20 years old. They're old propane shuttles, and you can't even find parts for them anymore. Well, Utah Clean Cities is is working with them, and, of course, with federal money, they're replacing that to an electric fleet as well. So it'll be all electric public transportation in the park uh, here fairly soon. Which is wow. which is a wonderful thing because it's a beautiful park and to get all of that uh, you know all of that pollution out of there and, and stuff is great. So, you know, for whatever it's worth, uh, Kane County, a small county of again less than eight thousand people, this is a this is a and he took the lead of it. Well, that's pretty that's amazing. My <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, and it takes a diplomatic skill to it. You're like the little guy that's coming in. You're inspiring people. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, this, and it's a vision. If you're talking yeah. about a vision here, which we talked about earlier, that's a huge vision that you yeah, guys this, are realizing. This is a big reach for a small yeah, county. Yeah, and it's And this amazing. whole, this regional transportation piece, and again, uh, Washington County to the west of us, which has a couple of hundred thousand people, 250, you know, St. George is the fastest growing city in the nation, I that know. kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're looking at putting shuttles into the park, or to the park, uh, not necessarily green. I don't know what they will be. No vision of going beyond that. Just dump more people on the doorstep of the park that's already overcrowded. It's us that stepped in and said, look, we will connect people up. So now if you're in the park, maybe the trail you wanted to hike isn't available because of it's being overloved. You can hop on a shuttle, and we hope we can make I it I love free. overloved. This is overloved. <laughs> you need to go to the next one and show some love to another trail. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, if we can do this, these will be free shuttles. I can't guarantee that, but uh, the goal is, is to make them as, as close to free as we can. Uh, but you could hop on a shuttle and drive up through the most scenic part of the canyon itself to the east side, get off at different destinations along the way and hike, 
or come out to the east side and hike these great trails, uh, enjoy a nice lunch that'll be first class, and then ride back down in the canyon and get in your car. I mean, it's another way to see the park that substantially improves the experience. And these will be experiential shuttles. These will be small. You know, probably 16 passengers, so, you know, they to fit through the tunnel and and all that and electric and stuff. They can't be big old buses. And so, and whoever's operating these, the drivers are going to be interpretive. They're going to know the answers to every question you have about uh, what you're seeing. So it'll be exciting. This will be the way to do it. And it's the, this supports the Utah's vision for, we just don't want to get tons of people coming. We want people that want to come and really appreciate what we have here and stay an extra day. And, and you know, it supports this Red Emerald Initiative that the state is uh, is trying to do. That is so amazing. So it's it's a big, this is a big reach for a bunch I of know. people in a small town. But, but small but, people with a big vision wanting yeah. to take care of of the earth, taking care of, of the beautiful nature that God's given. Yeah. Now, this is this is a good thing. It's We're going to preserve this the right yeah. way. We're going to help the park solve a problem. Uh, in my opinion, this will become the destination you want to come to. If you're going oh, to travel so. in the in the western U.S., this is the destination you're going to want to be to. I do believe so. I really do. So, if you look back on uh, how many years have you worked on that project? Well, this has been going for about a year before I came on the commission. I think you know, roughly a year or so. I've been working on it the two years that I've been on the commission. So it's three years. Uh, yeah, three. That's plus. it. Yeah, three. Wow. Plus. So in three years, you've done all that. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Wow, that's we, impressive. Uh, we hope to start construction on the visitor center, and this is a roughly a fifteen and a half million dollar visitor center. So it's a you know, it's not a, a it's not going to be a shack. No, It'd it's going to be nice. nice. Yeah. Uh, but we hope to start construction in 2021. If we get our funding uh, in February of next year, like we right. anticipate, uh, we'll be starting soon after that. The shuttle system, we will be testing. We received a DOE grant, a Department of Energy grant uh, proof of feasibility. And around the first of the year, King County will be purchasing the first electric shuttle wow. uh, with uh, DOE assistance. We'll be purchasing a shuttle to test. And this okay. won't be the kind of shuttle we run in the canyon because it won't be beautiful. Right. It'll be an off-the-shelf shuttle, but it'll have all the mechanics that uh, will tell us whether this really works or not. Because we're... It's about a thousand foot drop elevation from the uh, the east rim of the wow. canyon down to the down to the main canyon where wow. we're going to be picking up people and dropping them off, and so it's a bit of a reach for an electric. But uh, the uh, NREL and uh, National Renewable Energies Laboratory in Denver has done a bunch of studies, and they're convinced that these shuttles will be capable of doing it. Of course, we'll have charging at our visitor center, and we're just just in the process of finishing charging in in Kanab, so we'll have. We'll have about 10 chargers, both the, the super fast, you know, level three and level two chargers in Kanab. And we'll have similar up at the, the visitor center just outside the park. So we're working toward making Highway 89 a, a alternative fuel corridor. Oh, really? Which work and working with Utah Clean Cities to make that happen. So we'll be reaching out beyond just Kanab, seeking, trying to help other communities to do what they need to do to have alternative fuels and electric charging and stuff so that we have this corridor designation. So you can drive your electric car or your alternative fuel vehicle and come and visit this part of the world and not uh, run out of uh, of fuel. 
Wow. Electricity. Charging. That's amazing. So how, like, if you think about, do you think it's going to be 10 years before the whole system is done or five years or? It's, it might be 10 years before we have shuttles going to, to the north rim of the Grand Canyon. I think right. we'll be, I think that we will have shuttles running. We'll have a visitor center completed in right. 2022. Wow. And the components that go with that. Uh, we will have the, a lot of the trails done by 2022. We've already wow. started some of the trails. We're doing NEPA course on, on the ones that are in wilderness study area. Right. And, and that process could take another six months before we get started there. Right. But the, the shuttle itself, uh, I hope that we are putting shuttles on the ground in 2022. I might be a tad bit optimistic here, and it might be 2023. But the plan is, the schedule is, is in 2022, we're going to be seeking federal and state funding to help us purchase the shuttles. Uh, the O&M, you know, the operation right. of it and stuff, we'll have to figure out how we're going to do that largely through taxes. and That's well, jobs. That's through through jobs. jobs and through, you know, right. through this uh, incremental taxing, which yeah. you're using money that doesn't exist now. Right. You're using money that results, that comes about, uh, tax money that comes about as a result of growth. And so right. you're not increasing anybody's taxes. Right. Nobody pays more than they would pay anyway, but right. we can we can use a little portion of that to help make this shuttle system work for the King County Sheriff. So we're we're hoping we got things in place. That is so exciting! Really, being the alternative fuel category corridor, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's really amazing. Oh, you must be so excited about this. Well, it's it's. It turns out this is a bigger job than I thought it was going to be when I... <laughs> when you said yes? <laughs> when I said yes. <laughs> but wow, but that's it, it really is, going to turn things is, around. This is legacy kind of stuff we're doing here. Right. This, will, this is the only place in the U.S. you can connect three parks with a, with a shuttle system like this. I mean, right. it just happens that we have the parks here. And yeah. to do it in a clean manner, uh, they... And a way that are, honors the earth. We have a we have a, a Rev West. Uh, there's I mean other states are looking at this. You have the national parks. We are the leaders in in doing what we're doing here in the nation. And so there's many people looking at us to see. So it all started with a family that was willing to give the property up. Yeah, without that, it wouldn't have happened. And then you have these discussions, and then you just create this amazing vision. It's kind of evolved. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty incredible. And Kane County leads it. Kane County is the leader. Like I said, wow. we, we will be the. Uh, you know, we are the lead entity in the shuttle system right yeah. now. We will be the ones that own the, the uh, visitor center and will build all the trails. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a big reach for a small county. A big Not re- small size-wise. No, it's, uh, but a big, it's a big reach, but you have the big minds to make the reach. Well, we'll make it happen. You'll make it happen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So if you look now, uh, we're going to come to close. I just want to ask you, uh, having created such a feat, you've traveled all over the world with your jobs, what would you say is a life hack that you have that's something that makes life easier for you or some kind of advice you have for people looking back at your life and yeah. the successes you know, you've had? And You know, maybe the one thing that I would say, which is probably counter to what a lot of people think, but, but now that I'm looking back and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm retired, I'm not, don't consider myself to be that old, but I'm right. retired, I'm still healthy and do things. But enjoy life as you go. There's so many people that spend their life uh, never going on these trips, never vacating, never, you know, never doing the things because you're so busy trying to create a, you know, trying to make money and support the family or do whatever it is, obtain these retirement goals. And, you know, you got to live your life when you're living it. So we did that a bit. But I would I I would say you need to you know, this is one of those things you need to come and see these places now, don't wait until you're old and retired because it may not happen. Come and visit the beautiful stuff we have in America. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Brent. This was amazing. And I'm really fun. excited. So thank you. Okay. All right. 
Thank you for listening. If you happen to like this episode, please share with your friends. And if you're new, please pop on over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and how we can improve and make this better or how this has helped you. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode.